Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. We're looking at Thanksgiving and we're going to gather in some way, probably most of us uh, with, with friends or family or, or traveling to see them or whatever it might be. And some might, might not have uh, necessarily have uh, people they're going to and they might feel uh, left out or like, I don't know what to do. And, and my prayer is that if you haven't been reached out to, that you would just kind of put yourself out there and, and be like, hey, you know, you you want to go out to eat or you want to go see a movie or just something to, to engage yourself. It's not that you're forgotten and not loved. It's that, that sometimes people just, they don't know what, they, what, what maybe you need. And, and, and so in this time, this season, really we're kicking into with Thanksgiving and then on to Christmas. Um, my hope is that we as followers of Jesus would be the most joyful, generous people because of of the gratitude of our hearts with the grace that God's given us. And so today we're looking at grace, gratitude, and generosity. Um, Paul was writing a a letter to the the Corinthian church, and it's actually his third letter, but we only have uh, the first and second. So uh, this is actually the, uh, in in 2 Corinthians. And and so he's writing to this church that knew something about grace, um, the Corinthian church, before they began, before those people started following Jesus, they were like total pagans living in the wild. Uh, the best I can ever imagine it is, you know, Vegas and New Orleans had a baby and it was Corinth. Uh, and that was who got saved. And so they, they started following Jesus and yet they still struggled with their past, just like a lot of us do. Maybe it's habits, maybe it's uh, uh, attitudes of the mind or or conditions of the heart, maybe we have fear issues, and we just keep falling back into that. But they kept struggling with kind of going back and forth, you know, with, with their life in Jesus and, and, and just that normal life of, of just being a lump of clay on a potter's wheel and God having to work out sometimes small bubbles and sometimes giant bubbles. Um, and so they struggle with their, with their old ways. I think if Netflix made a show about them, it'd be Church Gone Wild. Um, and so Paul's writing this, this letter to them in 2 Corinthians, and they were doing better than when he wrote them in 1 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, the, the, uh, he's writing to them about this evidence of a grateful heart. And he says this in, um, sorry, in verses, uh, starting in verse 1 here. He says, Beloved ones, we must tell you about the grace God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. So he's writing the Corinthian church and he's telling them about this church in Macedonia, these people. For even during a season of severe difficulty, tremendous suffering and extreme poverty, their superabundant joy overflowed into an act of extravagant generosity. So the Macedonian church had severe difficulty, tremendous suffering, extreme poverty, and they were superabundant and gave. That's what he's telling them. For I can verify that they had spontaneously gave, not only according to their means, but far beyond what they could afford. They actually begged us for the privilege of sharing in this ministry of giving to God's holy people who are living in poverty. So they're in extreme poverty and they're begging to give to those who are in regular poverty. I mean, wow. And it was a privilege. They were like, can we, can we get in on this? They exceeded our expectations by first 
dedicating themselves fully to the Lord and then to us according to God's pleasure. That is why we appeal to Titus, since he was the one who got you started and encouraged you to give, so he could help you complete this generous undertaking on your behalf. You do well and excel in every respect. So, so now he's, he's talking to this church and he's saying, hey, Titus was there, and so I asked Titus to, um, to get connected with you uh, and, and help you kind of get back there. And he says, you do well in these ways, unstoppable faith, powerful preaching, revelation knowledge that you live in, in in your passionate devotion and in sharing the love we have shown to you. And you are doing so good in those areas. So make sure that you also excel in grace-filled generosity. I'm not saying this as though I were issuing you an order, but to stir you to greater love. I'm not coming down hard on you. I'm just telling you this because I want you to do the best things. By mentioning the enthusiasm of the Macedonians as a challenge to you. For you have experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And although he was infinitely rich, he impoverished himself for our sake. So that by Jesus' poverty, we could become rich beyond measure. So here are my thoughts concerning this matter, Paul says. And it's in your best interest to listen to me. Because I'm Paul and, well, I'm really, really smart. And, and, uh, and, and so I'm just giving you knowledge from heaven. Since you made such a good start last year, both in the grace of giving and in your longing to give, you should finish what you started. The assumption here is they started off strong and they got sidetracked and they stopped giving. You were so eager in your intentions to give, so go do it. Finish this act of worship according to your ability to give. For if the intention and desire are there, the size of the gift doesn't matter. Your gift is fully acceptable to God, to what you have, not what you don't have. Oh, by the way, if you're uh, getting baptized, uh, I forgot this. Uh, Head out with Mark. My bad. Uh, Head out with Mark. Y'all are going to get all changed and you're going to come back in. And we're going to baptize the end of the message and then we're going to worship Uh, with three songs after. So y'all can head out now and uh, then y'all come back in because you don't want to miss what I'm saying. (laughs) Sorry about that. Your gift is fully acceptable to God according to what you have, not what you don't have. I'm not saying this in order to ease someone else's load by overloading you, but as a matter of fair balance. Your surplus could meet their need and their abundance may one day meet your need. He's given us a principle of generous sharing with one another. This equal sharing of abundance will mean a fair balance. As it's written, the one who gathered much didn't have too much. The one who gathered little didn't have too little. He's referring back to uh, the time when they would gather manna. And he said, hey, if somebody got a lot, they had more to share with somebody who maybe only got a little that day. And the person who got a little, the next time that they got a lot, they share with that same person maybe who wasn't picking up a lot that day. So he's saying it's just, it's just a matter of generous sharing with one another. So the Corinthian church had slipped back into their old ways and, and Paul is here, he's challenging them to remember the grace they'd received from God so that they would be compelled to respond out of that. Because of grace, be gracious, be generous. Paul says, have that, have that joy that says how grateful you are. Like be excited to give. Look for ways and be like, how am I going to give? Where am I going to give? How much can I give? Be excited about that. And they'd forgotten what they had received. 
still following Jesus and believing, but they had forgotten the, the gift of grace God had given them. And when you forget about grace, no matter who you are, and whether it's a fast slide or a slow slide, when you forget about grace, you start to slip into me mode. Man, what, what are my needs? I need this. Now, what are my wants? I really want this. And then you slip into my deserves. I deserve this. Gratefulness dwindles. Generosity just dies out eventually. Everything that's good in our life springs from the well of God's grace given to us. And the only appropriate response is that I'm grateful for your grace. And because I'm grateful, it will give life to my generosity. Whatever that is. And I'm not talking money. That's a part of it. But that's only one small part of being generous with yourself. We often refer to it as time, talents, and treasure because it kind of encompasses everything. My time is just, I'm giving myself here, or I'm giving myself there, or maybe I'm inviting someone into my home to spend time with us. My talents are, I can do this, I can do that. I, I can't build anything, but I can certainly carry wood for those who do build. So even if it's something, well, I'm not really good at that, and you don't want me swinging a hammer, and you don't want me swinging a hammer, I can carry the wood so you can swing the hammer because you're good at it. So Paul gives them this visual of begging to give. The Macedonian church here, they were suffering extreme poverty, it says. And I don't know, some of you were raised extremely poor. I doubt any of us in this room, online, listening on the radio, I doubt any of us were raised in the extreme poverty that the Macedonians had. This third world, where third world countries look at some countries and go, oh, they're poor. That's, that's what he's talking about here. Yet they were begging to give to others, and their desire came from, from this joy within them. They're like, we just got to give. Tell us where we can give. You don't have anything to give. We can find something to give. I mean, can you imagine coming to a place in your life where you were begging to give? A few years ago, I was talking to, to John Williams on the phone. John, are you here? I don't know if John's here. Uh, he might be over there doing stuff for the, for the giveaways. But, but John Williams was, we were talking on the phone. I was telling him this particular need that a family had and, and what we were trying to do for him. And, and, uh, and John said, oh, I got to get in on that. I got let me, let me do some of that. And I'm like, I'm not asking you. He's like, I, I don't care. I got to get in on it. And it reminds me, when he said that, the first thought I had on the phone was, he's begging to give. That's the kind of guy he is. I got to get in on that. That sounds like a good generous moment. What most of us do is we measure our resources over here and, 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 then, and then we have our expenses over here and, and we look at it and go, well, I've got an opportunity to give, but uh, like uh, the expenses are so much higher than the resources. So, man, I hope one day to be able to give. That's typically what we do as human beings. And what Paul's saying there is, do you see an opportunity? Give. You see a, an opportunity. Maybe you don't have 10 bucks in the bank, but maybe you got a pantry full of food and empty chairs at your table, and you can invite people to sit down and eat a meal with you and laugh and drink coffee and listen to good music. 
And that's your generosity, is giving them that time and that meal and that caring heart. Paul says here, don't measure resources and expenses. What we're going to do is we're going to start with God's extravagant giving. His name is Jesus. He gave Jesus. And so when we start with God's extravagant giving, like Paul's talking here, our hearts are rooted in God. Our, our trust is in His faithfulness to us. And then we'll always have enough to share. Because I'm looking at it through the lenses of God giving me Jesus and eternal life. And notice what happens in verse 14. When we share, Paul says everyone has enough. You have enough, so you share. And then one day that person is going to have more than enough. And maybe you're in need and they'll share with you. That's a lifestyle of generosity. In Psalm 107, there's this beautiful passage about God's constant love. It's really God's favor on me, on you, no matter what. It's a long passage. I'm only going to read uh, the first 22 verses. But I want you to hear this. And then what I'd like you to do is you're going to hear different scenarios in this of God's love for you and his grace to you and his gift to you and his rescue of you. And you put yourself there and go, okay, that wasn't me. Oh, that's me. You'll hear your story in here somewhere. And maybe you'll be in a number of spots because maybe you just lived one of those lives where God rescued you a lot. Listen to this. Let everyone give all their praise and thanks to the Lord. Here's why. He's better than anyone could ever imagine. Isn't that a great way to start off a, a chapter? I'm like, that's a good, that's a good kickoff. Yet he's all, yes, he's always loving and kind. His faithful love never ends. So go ahead, let everyone know it. Tell the world how he broke through and delivered you from the power of darkness and has gathered us together from all over the world. He has set us free to be his very own. Some of us, once wandered in the wilderness like desert nomads with no true direction or dwelling place, starving, thirsting, staggering. We became desperate and filled with despair. Then we cried out, Lord, help us. Rescue us. And he did. He led us by the right way until we reached a suitable city to dwell in. So lift your hands and thank God for his marvelous kindness and for all his miracles of mercy for those he loves how he satisfies the souls of thirsty ones and fills the hungry ones with goodness. Some of us once sat in darkness, living in dark shadows of death. We were prisoners to our pain, chained to our regrets. That's my story. For we rebelled against God's word. We rejected the wise counsel of God the Most High. So he humbled us through our circumstances. Ow! I don't like that. He watched us as we stumbled with no one there to pick us back up. No one anywhere, including ourselves, could help us. Our own pain became our punishment. Then we cried out, Lord, help me. Rescue me. And he did. In my darkest days, when I put myself in the darkness and chained myself to the darkness, when I cried out, he rescued me. His light broke through the darkness and he led us out in freedom from death's dark shadow and snapped every one of our chains. So lift your hands and give thanks to God for his marvelous kindness and for his miracles of mercy 
for those He loves. For He smashed through heavy prison doors and He shattered steel bars that held us back just to set me free? Some of us were such fools. Don't elbow your spouse. <laughs> Bringing on ourselves sorrow and suffering all because of our sins, sick and feeble, unable to stand the sight of food, we drew near the gates of death. Then we cried out, Lord, help us, rescue us, and he did. God spoke in the words, be healed. God spoke the words, be healed, and we were healed, delivered from death's door. So lift your hands and give thanks to God for his marvelous kindness and for his miracles of mercy for those he loves. Bring your praise as an offering and your thanks as a sacrifice as you sing your stories of miracles with a joyful song. This is why we celebrate. This is why we're generous. Because he does this and more for us. First John 4, verses 7 through 15. It's a, it's a beautiful passage about false teaching and the love of God and how we're supposed to live out uh, of that. But it's really my response to God's grace to me. It's it's your response to God's grace to you, starting in verse 7. Verses 7 through 10 say this. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another, because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so we might live through him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. See, it's easy to say I love God, but genuine love, what Paul's talking about here, it responds to God's grace with both Constant gratitude and an outpouring of generosity. God's favor. His grace also means his favor. So he pours out his favor on you when he pours out his grace on you. Another way to say that is you're his favorite. You're God's favorite. You're God's favorite. He pours it out on you. He pours his favor on me all the time. Even before I started to follow him and believe, Jesus died for me while I was still a sinner and God favored me even while I was still in my sin. Now, I wasn't saved. I had to make that decision, but he still poured out his grace on me. And so this grace that he pours out on you and I, it should create this natural flow from me, regardless of how hard it it might be or how hard it might feel. Like, I, here's my resources and, and, and here's my expenses. I, I don't know what I have, but I can give, I can give this. Maybe, maybe if, if I have less financially, I, God's going to call me to give and just trust. Or maybe I don't have anything financially to give, so the gift I give is my time, is my energy. Maybe I, I can't bless that person financially, but I can, you know, babysit so they can go out on a date. I mean, something as simple as that. I can always find some way to be generous to somebody. Always. I just have to want to and do it. 
verses 11 and 12 says, Delightfully loved ones, if God loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor, but if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us, and we make our permanent home in him, and his love is brought to its full expression in us. You see, those who've chosen to believe in and follow Jesus, we're the benefactors of the greatest act of kindness ever. The whole earth, everybody on planet earth, every human that's ever, ever lived and ever will live, was given the gift of Jesus' sacrifice. Those who choose to follow Jesus were the benefactors because we've chosen to appropriate that. The best gift ever given was Jesus. How generous of God to give that grace. Grace. Jesus paid for my mistakes. Martin, he paid for your sin. That grace. You didn't deserve it, but he gave it to you. Sin is a real thing. Prior to Jesus, that is your God. That is what leads you. In Jesus, we still struggle, but we're set free from the, the, the power of sin and the consequences of sin because of the mercy of God. God didn't make us pay the bill that we ran up and couldn't afford to pay. That's the picture of mercy for us. There's a bill that you and I ran up and God says, you can't ever cover that, but I got it. My son will hang on the cross for it. Jesus, he's the tangible expression of God's grace and generosity. And Paul goes on in verses 13 through 15, he says, and God has given us his spirit within us so that we can have the assurance that he lives in us and that we live in him. Moreover, we've seen with our own eyes and can testify to the truth that the Father God has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Those who give thanks that Jesus is the Son of God live in God and God lives in them. And that's the reason we should always live grateful, be thankful even in a world that's swirling sometimes that grace is the foundation of our generosity we love time talents and treasure because God loved us first we give because we understand that we understand what it's like to have a need that we can never meet on our own and then to have someone come along and meet that need even before we ever ask that's the essence of the gospel. There was a need that I had that I could not meet. The payment of sin. The consequences there. And before I could ever ask, because I did, it was too selfish to ask, Jesus paid it and met that need. He paid that debt. Because of grace, we live grateful. Looking for big and small ways to be generous extravagant ways, like I got to get in on that, and normal ways. Hey, come have, come have a meal with us. This is the love John's talking about here. This actionable love that is the true test of Christianity. Like he's talking here, he's like, if you truly believe in and follow Jesus, this will be the kind of love you show. Not finger pointing, not joining in with the crowd, not even, not even getting in on the, on the social bandwagon of what, wow, oh, we're, we're right and just jumping on that. 
True love says, where's there a need and how can I be, be one to help fulfill it? Because of what Jesus did for me. We show whose we are by sacrifice, action, and generosity. All oozing with joy, according to Paul. So we have a number of opportunities all the time. And I just want to make you aware of some. Mark mentioned it. There's a table over there for, the, for weekday ministries where they're, they're just getting socks donated. Brand new socks, by the way. Do not give like, these don't have many holes. Uh, buy new socks. There's kindergarten through 12th graders that go to school either without socks or with nasty, nasty socks all the time. Our goal is that every student in Burnett County would have so many socks that they'd be like, I need more drawers. Okay? So go buy socks. It's not hard. Go buy some socks and then fill up that bin out there or be like, it, it's overflowing. Just throw the socks behind the table. That's an easy way. Tamales. Buy tamales. Enjoy tamales and support the Crisis Network. We have our sharing the feast going on. Maybe you need to take somebody over there and say, hey, let's, let's get you a meal. Or let's get you an H-E-B card if they run out of meals. Because even if we run out of meals, we're going to make sure that you're able to go to H-E-B and buy stuff with a, with a gift card. Maybe you just need to invite someone into your home to have a meal with you. Or maybe at one of your holiday gatherings. Maybe, hey, let's just go see a movie. I have a good friend who loves to take another friend just to go see movies and just hang out. Maybe it's a, a campfire in the backyard with marshmallows. Maybe it's something extravagant like, you know what, I'm going to buy that person a trailer because they live in a place that's really nasty. I'm going I'm to buy a mobile home for that person. Or, man, they don't, they don't have anything to cook on, so I'm buying them a convection oven. What, whatever it might be. Maybe it's to invite them to church during the holidays and, and they come here and they just have a blast. And then you just do life with them or invite them to your real life group. The other day I was uh, getting my hair cut. I had gone to Austin. I was going to visit people in the hospital. And, and I had to uh, time it uh, in a certain way. So I'm like, oh, I'm over there. I'll get a haircut. And So I go in. And I'm getting my haircut, And it's one of those ones that has two sections. You know, the mirror on one side and on the other. And all the, all the chairs you sit in. And, and I heard people coming in. And then at one point you get near the end. You know, they spin you around. For whatever reason, they spin you around. And, and I see a guy over here. And my first thought is, why is he getting a haircut? He had, a, a, you know, no hair on top. And now, please don't judge me, or at least don't judge me yet. Listen to the whole story before you judge me. Uh, I was judging myself, but then I came out clean. Uh, so he had this, this little strip of hair. We used to call it Caesar, I don't know, uh, right here. And it wasn't even very thick. And I'm like, why is he paying for a haircut? Like, I could take care of that in five seconds. And, and, uh, or, or I thought, he has a good head. He should just go bald. It look good, you know? Uh, some people have good heads. And, and so I'm just staring at him the whole time. She's like, does that look good? I'm like, oh, I'm not really paying attention to you. I'm trying to figure this out over here, you know? Uh, totally not paying attention. And I go outside. I'm done. I get done before him. And uh, I go outside. And I'm, I'm making some phone calls to find out when to go visit this person at the hospital. And... I mean, Jesus just brought him right next to me. So he, he walks out, and he's standing there, and he goes, hello. And I'm like, hmm, I probably shouldn't ask him this question, but I got to ask him this question. So I said, can I ask you a question? And he smirked, and he goes, sure. And I said, I get accused of uh, asking uh, questions I shouldn't ask sometimes, but I'm going to go ahead. We're going to roll the dice. And I said, why do 
you pay to get a haircut? <laughs> and he said, no one ever asked me that. And I'm like, and they should. You know? <laughs> they all think it. I'm the only one doing it, right? So he goes, he goes, well, he goes, you know, I, I do it for a normalcy of life. <clears throat> he goes, my wife died last year. My kids are grown and moved away. I'm retired, and golf only gets me the same old, same old conversations, and it's usually angry if there is a conversation, and that just kind of wears on me. And then he pointed inside to the lady who cut his hair, and he said, that girl, she talks a lot, and she knows me. And she asked me real questions about my everyday life. And so life feels normal when I come in here and she just talks to me and she knows what's going on. And he said, it's better than paying the bartender. And I was like, wow. Wow. And it made me understand that this life we live is meant to be given away. We're meant to invite people into our lives, but we're also meant to, in certain ways, lovingly invade people's lives. Give away your heart. Give away the grace of Jesus. It's good and it's healthy. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.